Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Slate Money Succession Recap Mini Season Special. I'm Felix Hammond of Axios. I'm joined by Emily Peck of the Huffington Post. Hello. And excitingly, we have the queen of all Slate podcasts, or possibly the emperor. (laughs) June Thomas is here. I just want to be clear, Felix, that this is not a podcast. It's just a precursor to see if I might be open to podcasting. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Well, okay. One of these days, June, I'm going to teach you about what off the record means. Oh, okay. um, Okay. But June is, is is a poor naïf who doesn't really understand the ways of the world. No. Um, You have brought in a piece of paper. What is your piece of paper? It is a printout of the poem Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson, which clearly is the key to all of succession. I am so into this. Because when we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in this episode, but at a certain point, uh, Logan brings back Frank and he gives him a watch. And on the back of the watch is a quotation from this poem. I believe it says, some work of noble note may yet be done. And of course, I mean, that immediately suggested to me Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson. It's indeed a poem. It's a kind of poem about uh, a lion in winter and uh, kind of raging against the light and, you know, getting one last deal in before you get snuffed out. That's Logan. I did not realize that it was Tennyson because there was all of that talk before he got invited back to the corporate retreat in a Hungarian schloss of something, something Shakespeare, something. So I just assumed it was a Shakespeare line I didn't know, mm. but it's not. No, and it's uh, my my in-depth research, you know, Googling just before we came into the studio, revealed that Tennyson actually wrote this after a close friend died. You know, and so it's about the end of life, but it was written 50 years before Tennyson died. So it's maybe a little bit premature, but, you know, there you go. And Frank, of course, knew it. He like he immediately recited the Indeed. following line yeah. as a kind of like, you know, subtle flex. That's the charming fuck that he is. Yeah, that's why he's been brought in again, because he's going to charm those pierces. <laughs> so 
So should we start at the top yes. and make our way to that beautiful, beautiful Okay, we're going to make our way to that retreat. point and we can, we can speculate about the real-life equivalents of Frank. Mm. But yeah, um, this is pretty much the, the darkest and cruelest episode of Succession I think I've ever oh, seen. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the episode is called Hunting and ostensibly that's a reference, you know, to the retreat. But really, this episode is about Logan hunting for snakes and rats in his house mm. um, and finding those who betrayed him. And it's the, the opening scene is Greg, as June was alluding to, sitting with the journalist <laughs> saying, you know, we're not meeting. This is just a precursor to meeting. And, <laughs> and, he, and, and, then and, he... and can I I want to jump in here because, of course, we're just going to be like quoting lines the whole time. But <laughs> My, I think my favorite line of the entire episode comes right at the top where Greg says, I'm a time-pressed executive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, he's very important. And I think I think she reassures him at some point. She says, I know you've been in many meetings and have done <laughs> many things. <laughs> but I feel like Greg has this one line which sort of sets up the whole episode, essentially, when he, he calls his uncle, Logan, he calls him scary, vindictive, paranoid, and violent. And basically... That's what this episode is, or that's what the big scene, you know, builds to. Is oh my Logan God, was it, is it foreshadowing? Scary, paranoid, violent. <laughs> it, could it, it be, be a little foreshadowing? A little bit here? of foreshadowing here in episode mm-hmm. three. I don't think it's too self-aggrandizing to hope I might have some wisdom to impart. There's no time like the present, right? <laughs> but it would need to be discreet. I don't want to make my uncle mad because right. he could be, uh, well, he can be scary, vindictive, paranoid, uh, and yeah. violent. Scary, vindictive. Wait, sorry. Uh, uh-huh. n- 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 none of this. Uh, I'm not actually saying that yet. Oh, would you like this meeting to be on background? But this isn't. You can't say I said anything. But you did. Look, Greg, if you want this to be anonymous, you have to say that from the outset. You can't do that retroactively. But no, because this isn't a meeting. This, you can't, that's not fair. That's unfair. Yeah, and then basically this is all built up to getting to that retreat. We go to the boardroom. We learn that Logan now wants to make a, another run for this company, PGM Pierce, which I think is the, in the real world, is the Wall Street Journal, basically. And and the Pierce family is the Bancrofts. Isn't that what you think also, Felix? Oh. I feel like you told me that. So I have been very careful and diligent about not watching the episodes before we talk about them. Um, Of course. However, I have read various things in The Hollywood Reporter and by Ed Lee in The New York Times about how there is going to be some kind of Salzburgerish, Bancroftish clan um, turning up later on in the season. Um, And I believe Holly Hunter is the matriarch Although I saw in the preview that Cherry Jones seems to be matriarchal too. Or maybe Cherry Jones is the matriarch. I'm not entirely sure. We will find out. Yes. Um, given how much talk we've had of Pierce and PGM, one has to assume that this big uh, newspaperish, liberalish, respected news organization-ish family um, is modeled on those. Of course, the big difference being that neither the Salzburgers nor the Bancroft had a nor the Bancrofts had any semblance of a TV network. Right. That's why right. I, I had elements of B Sky B coming in, which obviously is not a direct parallel and they're never going to make direct parallels, but there's... Oh, they make direct parallels. Well, yes, but they, they <laughs> obfuscate them slightly, ever so, ever so slightly. slightly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was also talk about PS being, uh, like the amount they were going to have to pay was going to be 20 
billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And part mm-hmm. of the reason to buy Pierce is that if they load up with twenty billion dollars of debt in order to do so, that makes them too big for you know Sandy, Sandy and to, Stewie, Sandy and Stewie to to stomach. Um, <laughs> Because you know why, Clearly, Felix? It's it's a snake taking on a crocodile. It's too big. It won't fit. <laughs> Another awesome line. Which, again, just to, you know, in terms of real life, neither the New York Times company nor Dow Jones was ever worth anywhere near $20 billion. So, you know, we're, we're not clear exactly what the parallels might be, unless, Emily, you have something in mind. I mean, the parallels did seem to me a little bit like Rupert Murdoch going after the Wall Street Journal. It's the same kind of thing. He wanted it for a really long time. It's very prestigious. You know, his company is kind of this uh, trashy. What What's this whole thing that Jerry brings up in the boardroom? Logan served a party, yeah. um, served was, warm white wine. And, mm-hmm. Effectively a uh, sort of a bad review of a charity party in one of their publications. I think yes. somebody else also suggested that it's what Uncle Ewan watches. So, you know, <laughs> we haven't seen Uncle Ewan we yet have in, not. This, in this season, mm-hmm. but I, I miss Uncle Ewan. The other thing and then which Tabitha is, says mm-hmm. to uh, Roman, my parents watch that. That's like actual news. And, <laughs> And then um, another point, I think Shiv kind of says something like, if we buy Pierce, it's like, who's going to actually report the news? Like, this is a real problem. I just feel like it reminded me of back when Murdoch was hunting the journal. Or you can, was you at can, the journal at the time. You can <laughs> go back. I would actually go back a few years before that mm-hmm. to 2000 when Times Mirror, which was this kind of schlocky media chain, um, spent $8 billion, mostly in debt, to buy up Tribune, which at mm. the time was a highly respectable media organization, which owned not only the Chicago Tribune, but also the Los Angeles Times. And I feel like it's more similar to that. But again, you know, the parallels, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch. But in any case, this is this is the, the new MacGuffin. This is the mm-hmm. big MacGuffin, which yeah. is driving the whole yes. season, at least so far, is, is Logan really going to you know, put his entire company at risk and raise $20 billion of debt to buy Pierce. And he decides in the middle of this massive proxy war that he has going on with Sandy and Stewie that he's going to put, like, the entire family, basically, on the corporate jet, which I'm sure would not be allowed, according to... um, you know, corporate SEC safety. Yes. You know, like th- th- I'm sure there'll be someone saying, "No, you can't put every single member of your family on the same plane." Um, but it's okay, he put- Shiv's at home, and Connor. <laughs> leave Shiv back at home. Shiv's back. Oh, at we home. have so to he- talk about Connor, you guys. We have to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about <laughs> Connor. But so he puts them all on the jet, all of his senior executives on this jet, and they all fly off to this schloss in um, Hungary for what is being billed as a morale-boosting corporate retreat. It made me realize how every corporate retreat I've ever been on was doing it totally wrong. <laughs> and while Mohonk might have been mad at us sometimes, they had no reason to. We were so good. I have never bore no on the boars. floor, June. Never, never shot a boar. Also, never made people act like boars. So obviously totally failing at corporate retreating. Um, there was no scramble for sausage on the floor. Therefore, no yeah. morale was boosted. No. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 
1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So yeah, so basically <laughs> Logan brings everyone to, to Hungary where he has two things in particular that he's angry about. One is that someone has talked to, the, to his biographer and he's angry about that because he doesn't want anyone to talk to his biographer. And number two is that someone has leaked to the Pierce family that he's interested in buying them. And in another one of those wonderful lines, when his bank is talking to him about, well, if we're going to try and buy PS, it's going to be very, he quotes, it's delicate, like French kissing an armadillo. <laughs> like, he's like, we need to be very, 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 very careful about how exactly we approach them. But of course, Roman being like the complete fuck up just barges ahead by getting his girlfriend to, um, like do something with her ex-girlfriend I don't yeah know. he so he's like one of one of her many exes is a pierce and so he gets her he gets that pierce his contacts from tabitha and uh he said um how do you know her oh you fucked her and she says did you fuck everyone and she of course says well not you so june <laughs> I, need, I need like I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you're you're here for this episode because you can speculate wildly about roman sexuality <laughs> Well, I think the the sexuality of all of the Roys is basically they don't make partnerships for sex. They make partnerships for it's like old royals, right? You just have to find somebody who's the right religion and and looks right, and unlike the royals uh, can breed. I mean, it doesn't seem like any of the scions of the Roy family are married for love or fancying. It's all you know, they're they're monarchical marriages, right? Yeah, but it's it does seem like Shiv. I think at some point in this episode, calls her husband Tom a meat puppet, (laughs) making it very clear what she actually thinks of him and his role. But then she does go out and kind of like have this, I guess, one night stand with this kind of this actor dude who has no screens at home and gets his news only from comedians. So she does have some kind of like sexual appetite, it it would seem. Uh, Yeah, I think she has a sexual appetite. I'm interested in whether Roman has a sexual appetite and if so, what it might be. Um, I, I'm, oh, did you I'm guys catch sh- he had that moment with Jerry towards the end? They yeah. had some oh, yeah. chemistry, right? That was yeah. interesting. There was some chemistry with Jerry. That was lovely, actually. And she, when he asked, do people often make moves on you? And she said, well, yeah, but they're usually over 80. Like, <laughs> that was actually a very sweet... Like, Jerry is the greatest. I mean, obviously. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. You know, if I were capable of any sudden movement, I would totally pounce on you right now. Yeah? Yep. I actually hear that a lot. Usually from men in their 90s. We have to do that one. How are you doing? Terrible. Pretty awful. Uh I'm blaming Tabitha, by the way. It was her idea. Next time you need business advice, ask someone who knows what they're talking about. What, you? Yeah, like me. Yeah, but I feel like, I don't know, There, there's definitely something between them. I guess maybe it's a little more maternal than anything else, but I, there's a lot going on there. Like when he was being um, chastised by his father, and I'm sure we'll get to this scene in more detail in the bore in the floor scene, um, there's this shot, you know, where she's sort of looking at him like, 
And it almost seems like she's concerned about Roman. Maybe I'm reading it wrong because everyone, no one <laughs> is concerned about anyone on this show. It's all strategy right. and moves, but... But Roman like clearly relies on her. Remember last episode when he like phoned her up and she's like, Roman, I have 52 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and he's yes, like, can you come exactly. here and help me? And she's like, no, I can can't. You... Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I completely agree with June in the sort of royal marriage thing because royal marriages are utilitarian. And I don't really see any of the people who married into the royal family as being particularly useful, least no. of all. Tom. They're pretty, yeah. I, Tom is next. For the men, it seems that they ally themselves with pretty women. I mean, or women with their own reasons for being with them that have nothing to do with sex. Connor and Willa. Willa is wants to be on Broadway. And it was lovely to, you know, Shiv, who is actually smart, suggesting that, you know, if Connor spends all this money on getting to the White House, that won't leave very much for you to get to Broadway. Yeah, which I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like didn't really ring yeah, true it's it not didn't. like it's not like this is a finite pot of money right. and he's going to spend it all but yeah. i mean I, I think benefit. shiv was shiv was pretty desperate at that point to stop <laughs> connor from doing this completely insane thing where he records this video and he says uh, my oh, another one of my favorite lines who's there uncle sam and where's his hand in my pants <laughs> i ranch i ride i earn and i give just like you. But Ding Dong, who's there? Uncle Sam. And where's his hand? In my pants. Hey, is there anyone in my house? Hey, uh, have you seen this? Yeah. He said he's beta testing it before he Instagrams and enters the ideas primary. Maybe he's a genius. That's one word for it. A genius rancher. All I want is a fair Flat tax, same for all Americans, but headed down to zero within a decade or so. What am I going to do? Well, I'll tell you, I ain't paying. Oh, my God. And if you want to arrest me, go ahead. No, really, just go ahead and try. Quick question. Do you think he even knows what a jail is? He literally only knows it from Monopoly. Connor is next level. I mean, he's next level clueless. He makes the second wife's kids look brilliant and in touch. I mean, Roman and Kendall, who could be a bigger fuck up than them? Oh yeah, Connor. I mean Connor, I mean so the question so who is Connor, right? I I feel like Connor is some weird sort of combination of like Donald Trump Jr. Or perhaps Lachlan Murdoch, who's the conservative one. Steve Forbes. Or Steve Forbes mm-hmm. is another really good one. Or possibly I was even thinking Howard Buffett. I don't is it Warren's son? Warren's son Howard, who's also a kind of like neocon. Does he hyper decant? <laughs> yeah, almost certainly uh, hyper decant. Uh, well maybe. Um one thing I was thinking about that scene was like Shiv is supposed to be such a smart strategist, but even I realized that the way to get Connor to pull the commercial wasn't by just saying you'll embarrass the family. Like that wasn't that obviously wasn't going to be enough. I I felt like she kind of screwed up that whole mission, but it didn't matter somehow. And that that actually upset me. It's my nitpick with this episode, actually. Was there Which, any she messed that up? Do you know what might have persuaded Connor to <sighs> start with this nonsense? I, I feel like there had to be a way to sort of appeal to his ego, maybe get him to put it off and get the timing better or something like that. Appeal mm. to his read. You know how he does his readings? Yes. I don't know. There there had to be something that could have been done that was more artful. Mm. I'm not a big political you know, machinator, but I, I don't know. I, I yeah. thought there could be something better. 
But really, none of the siblings have ever been able to persuade any of them to do anything. They just don't listen to each other. Well, nobody is that good at persuasion. I mean, we saw when they were at the Schloss, and everybody is trying to get some word to Logan that his obsession with the Pierces, his white whale, is destructive. None of them thinks it's a good idea. None of them is able to even really communicate that. As close as they can get is blessed Jerry saying, I have to admit, I have had my doubts. And Although it comes out at the end, right? Who Who is it at the end who says, actually, no one thinks it's a good idea? Yeah, um, I don't know who that was, but maybe one of the kids. Was it Roman? No, it was I Kendall. Think it was... I think Kendall at the end says, like, everyone here thinks it's bad. You know, this one thinks it's bad. Jerry's playing both sides. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was um, Kendall. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's how Kendall shows himself to be trustworthy somehow after... You know, I mean, that unbelievably craven scene where Tom sidles up to Logan and says, I'm going to say something, but I don't believe it. <laughs> and you're like, that's not going to work, Tom. That, that, honestly, that's just not going to yeah, work. Of all the people, I have to say Tom is the most pathetic because, of course, Cousin Greg, the greatest. But if he's going to be your conciliary, if he's your, like, your smart person that you use... I mean, come on, at least Kendall's got a smart woman who, you know, can figure things out for him. But I mean, if Tom's big conduit is Greg, it's hopeless. There's never going to get But I anywhere. felt like Tom and Greg had their moment this episode, which I found it was like the first emotional moment that made me feel sympathy for any of these characters, which was, you know, Greg tells Tom, oh, I spoke to the biographer. And Tom's like, what? Why are you telling me this? Like, you're not supposed to trust anyone. Right. Like three minutes after telling him he can totally trust Tom. <laughs> to a point. And it's a total, to a point, to a point. But then, of course, Tom keeps Greg's secret, even through this whole humiliation of the scramble for the sausage and everything. And then the next day at breakfast, you know, Greg says to Tom, thank you. And he just does this thing where he puts his hand on his arm. Mm-hmm. That was like the first actual touching thing that's ever happened. <laughs> it was it was so sweet, far. but of really course we we also me. know that everybody has talked to the biographer. We saw Greg, <laughs> and Greg was dumb enough to tell someone. But they've all talked with her. They've all met with her, and they didn't even just have precursors. Everybody's talked to her. <laughs> right, right. I still found it. I, I thought yeah. it was nice. It was like maybe these two have some more shenanigans that they'll get into in in upcoming episodes. Or I'm something. not sure that everyone's talked to her. I feel like. The way that Greg gets let off the hook at the end is when Logan finds out that his, who was it, brother, who just died, Mo? Who's Mo? I don't know who Mo is. Who I is Mo? Know. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, he, I knew he's an the older, person. Right, he's he, an older generation. And he's actually, the person who Logan wouldn't visit. He would visit him yeah. in a this couple of This also explains the yes. lingering question I had about episode one, which if you remember, at the beginning of episode one, Roman and Jerry are in a hospital. I'm like, why are they in a hospital? And oh, now I thought I re- they were in a hospital in Japan because of the satellite thing. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, that was the, 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 the oh. rocket that blew up. Yeah, that was I'd, my theory. Yeah, so Mo is obviously somebody with a close-ish connection, long connection to Logan. At the beginning of the episode, the person was his assistant was trying to make him go visit Mo in the hospice, and he said, "How long has he got?" And she said, "Oh, a week or two. And he said, "I'll go in a week or two." Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I can't figure out who is he. But yeah, he is a. But it turns out that he had spoken to the biographer, and so that like now means that. Greg may or may not be 
safe. Greg strikes me as the only real... I mean, I guess Greg and Jerry are the ones who just have no sort of real cruelty gene in them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But Greg... Oh, poor Greg. Poor Greg. He's so sweet. <laughs> and it's poor... I don't know. Like, I feel like this is all building to Greg taking over. Did we say that last episode too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not going to happen. No? Aww. I, I, okay. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, so we haven't actually talked about boar on the floor. Yeah, let's talk about the boars because, I mean, this is where the, the show really gets stuck. First of all, they all take out these guns and shoot just a ridiculous number of boars at sort of point-blank range with super high-powered rifles for no obvious reason. They then pose for this photograph on the, you know, back steps of the schloss with the boars all arranged in this sort of semicircle around them. And it's super, like, nasty. And then all of that is just a foreshadowing for what Logan is going to wind up doing to the weakest members of the family. And he does this super kind of lore of the jungle thing where he picks on the weakest people around the table and just humiliates them as a show of force and power. And you're like, wow, like they went there. On the floor, boy. Or on the floor. Come on, Frank. Or on the floor. Why am I in this? How the fuck would I know, Greg? You think I have a rational explanation for this? Frank, boar on the Feed floor. Feed the piggies, guest boar of honor. On the floor. That's it. Boar on the floor. Boar on the floor. Oink for your sausages, piggies. And you see the people who were very close to being in the corner and being made to act like boars snuffling around on the floor, fighting over sausages full of glee because they escaped. And so now they're taking videos and, and rejoicing in their not being the weakest three. And you can see they're, everybody's weak. Everybody except Logan is weak. You just weren't among the three. But. Well, I, but I think on some level, there's certain people who would not have done that. Like none of the kids would have done that. Jerry wouldn't have done that. Like there's certain people who have just a smidgen of pride to just say no i'm sorry but like he manages to pick on the people who ultimately will just grovel yeah like wow yeah it was yeah i mean they're all in thrall to his money and they'll pretty much do anything to stay in his orbit i think frank coming back and i think at one point jerry is like what are you doing why are you back and he just he doesn't really give a good no Reason and then Logan, just, and then Logan, like even after he's been he buckling up Frank and and giving him this watch and the whole thing, needs to do like a ritual humiliation of Frank at some point just just to demonstrate just because his, he can just because yeah he has to he feels yeah. like this compulsion yeah yeah it's like a fraternity it's like hazing or something and bullying to get to get the loyalty of the group. Right? And, the, and and to punish him for, you know, he was punished before for his sort of treachery by being expelled from the circle. And if you're going to bring him back, you have to have some kind of ritual 
punishment. You can't just get away with it. You can't just be forgiven. It you have to give a sign to the others of you know stay stay loyal. So what was Kendall's r- ritual punishment to come back? Well, I mean that's a think? good question. Kendall Kendall is the prodigal son, right? Kendall is family. It's different for family. Although certainly family. Roman and Shiv kind of assumed that he was going to get like torn to shreds, and then he wasn't. But I think one of the things that this scene does is just remind us or underline that that Logan is not in any way a nice guy because for the first (laughs) couple of episodes, he kind of looked like he could just be a sort of smart and ruthless corporate raider and you're like, yeah, no, he's worse than that. Yeah, although we did get that little sign at the beginning of the episode when he's having a medical examination and the guy says, you know, how's this medicine treating you? You know, it can make you paranoid. And, you know, there's a... <laughs> yes. <laughs> make you paranoid. And if you are a paranoid motherfucker, it certainly will. But, um, you know, I guess it's just ramping up the Lyrian aspects of it. But, uh, yeah, he's not a nice man. And the strategy of, of what he did at the end, if you saw he got out some kind of terrifying, strong Hungarian liquor of some sort to give to everyone. And he served himself water. Yeah. To stay sober while he got everyone else drunk and then messed with them. It was just very creepy. And he had his body man usher out the waitstaff in the room so there were no witnesses. Mm-hmm. He's, it was he's, like he's done this before. Yeah, he's the smartest man in the room. And I mean, that's the, ultimately the problem. The others are not equal to his evil. I mean, they just cannot, they're not <laughs> on the same level. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I need to ask you, who is more cruel to Tom, Logan or Shiv? I don't know that Shiv is cruel to him. I mean, they do have an open relationship. He knows when he gets home. I mean, no, but that's the whole point, right? Like, he never wanted that. And he comes back from this, you know, utter humiliation in Hungary to his wife. And he's like, I need you to sort of have some sympathy for me because this was the worst thing that could possibly have happened. And then he's like, oh, and how was your weekend? And she's like, do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't want her to tell him. Maybe it wasn't totally great what you sent me to do, which is kind of the opposite of what I wanted to do. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we're a team, right? Yeah. But I I, I don't want to be a dick, but maybe I should have a bit more input into team tactics. Yeah, sure, of course. How's your weekend? Me? Yeah. Anything to report? Uh. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to know? Oh. I don't. Maybe later. I mean, again, it's a, it's a, he's made a good marriage. He knows that. I mean, he's he's not worthy, he, and he knows that. He knows he has he doesn't have any, he doesn't belong on the executive suite, and so you know he's made his bed, and and he sometimes doesn't get to lie in it. That's the deal they've made. They've all got transactional relationships. Maybe, but I feel like when Shiv just turns to him and says, and like he, she's like, "Can you tell Logan that this deal is really stupid?" And he's like, "No," and she's like. <laughs> my meat puppet has stopped working. <laughs> yeah. And like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. when, when someone talks to their husband like that, like on some level it's 
you know, even worse than being forced to grovel around chasing a sausage. Which also, you know, in terms of the whole Ianucci DNA here was funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but Shiv too is surely being strung along. I mean, we know from these families that women never get to the top, even if they're the smartest. Calls her and says, He told her in the last episode. Yeah, he said, it's not, I don't make the world. You know, it's a downside that you're a woman. But this one at the end of it, he says he's going to bring her in. And I just feel like the, you know, I've been saying this all along and I might be completely wrong, but I'm still convinced that the real power in this entire family is Marsha. Which one is Marsha? Logan's wife. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, with her own son, who's off doing something. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the fact that he has an age-appropriate wife, more or less, is surely very telling. She's extremely powerful. The fact that he, he ushered her out of the room in the first or second episode when he was having his conversation with Shiv. Yeah, there's, there's Marsha is definitely a, a woman of power. But do you think that Shiv is actually going to be Logan's chosen one? I just no. can't see it. But I don't know who I, will. I, I, well, I really mean, we need think... to, you know, we, there has to be space for season three. Yes. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> like, I don't think Logan's going to go anywhere, ultimately. Yes. And that, all of this sort of positioning is just going through. It's it's always going to be positioning. Like, of... None of them are actually going to take over. As Logan says in this episode, I am surrounded by snakes and fucking morons. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong, is he? I, my big question, I guess, is whether any of his children are ever going to take the management training course. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously the path to power, but none of them are going to do it. I, I kind of have a feeling that at some point Kendall actually did that. Mm. Yeah, he does know the jargon, but does he know the price of a gallon of milk? Yeah, what the hell was that about? Suddenly Logan feels that like anyone who is worthy of succeeding him has to have like the common touch. Although that also reminded me of another dynastic family, the Bushes. Didn't George H.W. Bush once have a problem? Like it was a scanner thing and apparently it was one of those stories that wasn't accurate, but he didn't like, he was surprised by scanners. He no, didn't the, the know the price of, of milk things. thing is, is like a famous thing that all politicians yeah. need to know the price right. of a gallon of milk because it shows that they're in touch with something, which, okay, I guess, but, but yeah. Like, also like I'm a slightly bourgeois, but nevertheless journalist and i don't know because like who pays like who sees an actual price anymore it just goes beep 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 beep. it's not like the person in the grocery tots it all up on a piece of paper like who, who is, does know it is a That's, generation really like poor it is dollars you guys i think it's like two-ish or three-ish dollars if it's organic I, it's like four-ish dollars i googled I, it I apparently it's like 330 but i had no idea and well I, I can tell you that it's like 330 for a pint where i get mine <laughs> I but, didn't drink. Um, what? Oh yeah, I'm telling you, the Alibaba 24-hour grocery <laughs> store on Worth Street, man, is is not cheap. We're not talking bodega prices here. But it's also the one thing it does show is what generation Logan is, mm-hmm. because you know, if I can sort of just do a little bit of a digression into sleep money nerdery here, we have had probably. Basically, since the end of the Second World War, so a good 70 years or so, of consistently declining food prices as a percentage of household budgets. The, if you were around in the 60s and the 70s, um, you actually cared about the price of food and you would buy like the cheaper cuts of meat because it would save on the household budget. And the price of a gallon of milk was a significant proportion of how much, you know, if your total 
budget. Now it's all housing and healthcare and stuff like that. But like back then, there was a time when people really cared about the price of food and they would economize on food and that kind of thing. And it's people of Logan's generation who have this idea that the price of a gallon of milk really matters. I'm going to say that that what you just said is true, but there are still a lot of people who care about the price of groceries, judging Mm -hmm. by the supermarket and the specials there and the way people shop and just real people still care about the price of groceries. Let's just be clear about that. Well, I I definitely care about, you know, the price of eggs at the farmer's market because that's ridiculous. Who pays like $7 for a dozen (laughs) eggs? Um, But Trader Joe's is really popular and a gallon of milk at Trader Joe's is like much, much cheaper than a gallon of milk at the grocery store. That's the right answer. But by the way, if Logan Logan Roy ever like corners you and says, what's the price of a gallon of milk? You'd be like, (laughs) well, okay, at Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, the kids are never going to please him because he's the man who made this company. And they're just the fuck-ups who are going to fuck it up. I mean, he's there's nothing that they can do. They memorized every price in the grocery store. If they took every management course, if they worked in a slaughterhouse, they're never going to please their father. And it, I just fear that that is the ultimate sad message of succession. There is no happy succession. There is no happy succession. Yes. But like there, there are slightly more successfully Machiavellian people so okay we need to we need to talk about some real world like parallels here first of all frank who gets brought into french kiss the armadillo and who on the private jet on the way back actually successfully does so roman's meddling notwithstanding he manages to get the meeting with the pierce family um nice work frank is he is he peter chernin my knowledge of the uh the the murdoch uh, world is not enough to is not good enough to say but there is always some, I mean, that's why they go to these fancy schools, right? That's why they send these rich kids to fancy schools to meet some some charmers who can quote Tennyson and can belong to the right clubs and can, you know, make phone calls and get these people on the phone. I mean, that is the point. Don't They all have lots of these, right? Right. Wait, right. Felix, who's Peter Chernin? Can you remind us? So Peter Chernin is, he now has his own media company, but like back in the day, he was a key Murdoch lieutenant who you know, would charm people and do deals. Like, there's a kind of what you might call, like, investment banker gene, which involves just being able to do things like call up the PS family and and in a way that doesn't cause them to just hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. And then... Is there but, any evidence Frank can do that? Like, he hasn't... Well, yeah, that was the evidence. Because, the he, like... But the evidence that he he can do that is not only that he has memorized <laughs> Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson, <laughs> but also that he manages to get Logan the meeting at the end of the episode. Right. Okay, fine. Fair. I'm just saying in any other scene he's ever been in, he comes across as kind of like Oleaginous. a uncle. Yeah. yeah just bleh. Um, <laughs> he comes across but, as bleh. But then the, the other character who I love so much, Sid Peach, the, the female Roger Ailes, yes. turning to Tom in the morning saying, I'll eat your sausage, Tom. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she, <laughs> She's she would never ever grovel on the floor you know that no and when he asked her was it you she just says no get out of here like it's just clear she's it's not her obviously she would never i mean never betray him 
Or she would, but she'd be smart enough to do it without leaving a trail. I mean, that's the thing. I'm absolutely confident that they will all, because as somebody, as Michelle, the writer said, do you want me to tell your story? Do you want to tell your own story or do you want to let the others tell it? They all have a motive Mm. to talk to her, but the smart ones will not leave any trail so that Sam, the the rat rat fucker, fucker. (laughs) can't trace them. So I'm sure Sid has a back channel with uh, with Jessica Hecht's character, but she's much too smart to, to let it go. And, and also, Logan's too smart to really press her on it. Hello, I'm Immy Harper. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced. I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people camped here, ransacked my computer. And I, I got people fractured me. I got this and that, but I'm safe and what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the Slow Newscast, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Emily, where are we going here? What's going to happen to this whole, like, Connor running for president subplot? Is that going to wither and die? Is is he going to, like, wind up going to jail? What's going to... I feel like it takes a long time to not pay your taxes and then get investigated by the irs and then go through all of the appeals and i mean it probably takes like five or six years before you end up in actual jail no i feel like i don't think anything is going to happen with that specific plot of him not paying his taxes and and going to jail and there was a great part where shiv says to him do you know what happens to rich guys in in jail and he basically is like yeah they get a deal and they're out early because they're rich But I, I think the sub the subplot of him running for president, I feel like they're going to drag that out all season because it's so delightful and wonderful. And we oh yeah, but there has that. to be there has to be a debate between him and Gil, right? Uh, but here's the thing: yeah. however, could an unqualified but rich person like how could that? They could never <laughs> right. become president. That's ridiculous. Oh, wait. <laughs> totally absurd. <laughs> yeah, absurd. I think he'll catch on, right? <laughs> I mean, he decants the wine so beautifully. He hyper decants. <laughs> he hyper decants. Hyper decants. You don't hyper decant, Felix? June. I have. I have never hyper decanted. I feel like <laughs> I, there's there's a whole world of decantation out there, which is <laughs> which is just waiting to be discovered. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean hyper de- hyper decanting is. I mean, like it's such a wonderfully perfect touch because it's one of these like weird wine gimmicks that no one entirely. Like genuine wine people don't do it, but like you know, rich people who have pretensions of, of well, wine. It's not even just rich people. It's also like just it's it's he like I think Connor on some level is quite sort of middle brow, and yeah. you do find people taking like two buck chuck and putting it in a you know Vitamix for like five minutes <laughs> and blending it up in on the ground so this will help do something to the. Tannins. Mm, I have levels. no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's a mm. weird, like, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's, it shows just a kind of basic level of credulousness. Yeah. I guess. And I mean, he is like the thing with Connor is he's dumb, he's basic, but he's not unlike a certain dumb, basic person who did maybe have some political success. He has no charisma. He has no personal charisma, even in a grotesque way. Like, he's just, mm. he's intensely boring. And so, like, there's they're either he's not meant to succeed as a politician or they've they've not revealed his because he has no he isn't a man of the people, even vaguely. He really like he doesn't even know what milk is, much less how much it costs. <laughs> he's the only one who doesn't seem to care about succession. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a stake in, you know, 
taking Logan's place. He doesn't seem to be competing for his love the way the other the other three are at all. No. But the one the wonderful leg of and the that great line where where Shiv comes to see him and he walks over to his penthouse window and he goes, The elites are scared. I can see them down there. <laughs> and she says something about, Yeah, you get a great view of them from the penthouse. Which I feel like she didn't need to say that. Like you, it yes, was all there yes, in the original yes. line. I'm like, did you? Nah, you didn't yeah, need that yeah. line from. It Chip. was gilding yeah. the lily. It was. So, uh, Emily, what was your favorite line in this episode? Oh, yes, let me find it in my notes here. Uh, it's oh yes, on the plane going to the retreat. Of course, everyone else is jaded and just hanging out, but Greg is super excited to be on the private jet. And he looks around and he says, he's all excited. He says, it's like I'm in a band, a very white, very wealthy band. <laughs> it's like I'm in U2. <laughs> I love that. I watched it a few times. <laughs> it's like I'm in U2. In true like Veep fashion, I'm, I'm going to do another one of these like great Logan lines where he talks about the, the leak to the Pierce family and he goes, that's about as choreographed as a dog getting fucked on roller skates. <laughs> Uh, June? Well, I'm tempted to quote from Ulysses, which, um, <laughs> how dull it is to pause, to make an end, to rest unburnished, not to shine in use. I feel like that is true of many Roys. But I think my favorite line, not one that we've already mentioned, is when Roman is just exasperated by his dad's obsession with the price of milk. And he says, who drinks milk anyway? Kittens and perverts. That's who. <laughs> That is a good line. On which note, we will, I think, leave episode three behind and anticipate episode four. Which, uh, is Shiv going to finally enter the, what I always still think of as Chase Manhattan Plaza, <laughs> that like, is apparently Royco, Waco, Royster, Waystar Royco HQ. You think, is she actually going to make it in there after her like midnight phone calls with Logan? Is she going to be officially introduced? I don't think he's ever going to tell people that she is the chosen one or even that he's he's winked at her. I think she's still going to be meeting in his apartment without an appointment where there's some reason that they can't really speak. So in short, no. No. All right. <laughs> I think he'll string her along for a good many episodes to come. Yeah. I don't know, there's only there's only ten, right? We're already like a third of the way through here. Well, well, okay. we'll see. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week on <laughs> Slate Money Succession. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.